And uh, and it was ironic that I'm in the middle of writing sermon series like this morning what we're going to look at is that everyone has a gift and that one is going to be committed as a church that everyone uses gifts. And just the element in the room I mean you don't know what a shocker of a week, month, year, life I've had and I've come along here on a Sunday morning and I just want this to be refuge, you know what I mean? I just want this to be a space where I'm I'm blessed or I just want to be a space where I receive this is the one time in the week that I have just to you know, during the week the expectations are this, I have kids, and I've got life, and I've got work, and I've got all that stuff. Um, I'm just aware that we could be in this space and feeling that way, particularly as we've been going through this, this practices. But another thing I did just this, this week, um, yesterday we started to watch a, a series, a TV series, I don't know if you've ever seen that, uh, The Chosen it's called, has anybody seen that? It's like, uh, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. It's like, it's, get it an app, it's on the app store, it's like not on Netflix or anything, it's free. And it's like, really well made telling the story of Jesus' life and the people he interacted with and whatever. But, and Patrice had asked me for ages, right? And here's another symptom of this stuff, right? How, like, Patrice had asked me for ages, do you want to watch The Chosen? Do you want to watch The Chosen? And I was always like, like no. Because when I watch, when I sit down to watch TV or something, like I work for the church, right? So when I sit down to watch something, it would feel like work watching something. Like, I can't switch off my head from writing sermons or from whatever. And, uh, but we sat down to watch it yesterday. And just seeing the heart of Jesus as he engaged with people. Like, seeing it lived out. Like, you see these scenes of Jesus hanging out with, with kids and making them laugh. You see this, like, Jesus walking up to Mary Magdalene and, uh, and like, speaking truth. And just seeing her life where she'd been out, where she'd been broken by the world. And, like, and some of it is artistic license, but we know enough about the characters to know this is likely what I was experiencing and, I don't know, that song that we just sang, I can see your heart a bit in different ways. I can see your heart in everything you say. I can see your heart in everything you've done. It just, it just made me yesterday to look at it and say, like, Jesus' heart towards you guys, if you just knew it, it's so great. Like, it's so great. Like, Jesus' heart, he just, like, he loves you. And he just knows where you're at right now. He knows where you're at in life. And he knows where he wants to get you. And, uh, and as we talk about this, these ways of Jesus, what I want us to, what I hope we get to see by his grace is that everything that he calls us into is not about saying you're not reading the Bible enough, you're not praying enough, you're not forgiven enough, you're not making disciples enough, you're not good enough. Where, where does he say that in scripture? Where do you see that in the heart of Jesus? Instead he's saying, here are the ways that I'm opening up to you, way after way after way, that you can see and know, and know my heart. That you can begin to function in the ways that I've made you, that you can grow in me, grow in life. That you can taste and see that I'm good. That you can know what it is to walk in my plants that are good and pleasing and perfect. And at times they may look different than the ways of the world that we might tend to look to for comfort. Or to look. We have to do some things that sometimes seem like anti, like what we would think we would do logically, right? But that makes sense because cause if we just do, humans just do what they think logically, then you get the state that the world is in, you know? We need someone to show us different, different ways. And so look, my heart, as we come and speak this morning, especially about like everyone, everyone using their gift, um, is that it's not a, an added pressure, or it's not something that the enemy, here's what the enemy would love to do, is take the good things of God and say, like use them to bring condemnation, use them to say, you're not good enough. Yeah, because, and then, you know, what we should say back to him is, yeah, we aren't good enough, there was one who was good enough, who lived on my behalf, died on my behalf, satisfies everything before God. My trust is in Jesus. I look at him and looking at him and beholding him. I'm able to be reflect him and become more like him. But it's assured because of who he is. And so, yeah, I just want us to know the heart that he has 
and the life that he offers as we continue to look at these ways that we can say yes to, to that. Um, and in saying that, we're, we're in this, this kind of uh, season where we've just over the past couple of years put everything on the line again with, 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 with being the church. We've just gone back to Jesus and to his word as, as leaders and elders, as home church pastors, as, as a wider group now, to just say, Jesus, what do you want from your church? Um, knowing that it's good, knowing that his heart is good. And, uh, and whatever it is, that's what we want. So what I want to do this morning um, is look at what Scripture has to say. And it's a bit of a different mode than what you might be used to or what typically for years we've done, which is I'll take a Scripture and I'll pull it apart and help us understand it or whatever. Um, I want to look at what has the Bible said about, about you, about what, what, it, what it should look like when we gather. You know, someone framed a question like this a while back um, and it really challenged me. They asked, like, if you, only had, if you only had a Bible and had no previous experience of church, never been to a service, no idea what it could look like, should look like, I don't know, you've been living on an island somewhere, somebody gave you a Bible, gave you the New Testament, and you read it, and then you were going to go to church the following Sunday to a service, what would you expect to see there, having read scripture, you know, having looked at what, the way it's described in Acts 2 and Acts 4 as... As, as you know, we have the story of Jesus in the gospel, and then we have these letters that are such a gift to us. You know, we're going to read this morning from Romans and Philippians and Corinthians, and you know, these are just names we throw out as titles of books, but what they were were letters written to groups of people like us who are struggling to understand the implications of what Jesus had done and how we live it out in our lives. How does that affect everything that we do? So you've got Paul, you've got Peter, you've got James, you've got these guys writing letters to different groups. Helping them to, like, when they get distracted or when they get deceived by something else, or when, like, weird theology would creep in or when human selfishness would creep in or, or anything aside from the greatness of what Jesus had done, they would write and correct them. And so we get to read those and we get a glimpse into the church at its earliest stage, as close to the time of Jesus. What did it, what did it look like? Um, and so, what I'd love us to do, um, I've given out some scriptures to different people. Um, and it'll probably take about 10 or 15 minutes to read these, right? But um, I'm just going to comment very, like, not for a long time after, but I'd love us to listen to these scriptures and listen with, with it in mind that if you're part of Jesus' church, what would you expect coming come to a gathering of the church, yeah? So there's a few different scriptures, but I'd love us to, as we listen, like you say, look, we hold, we hold scripture above our tradition, we, hold scripture, we come under the authority of it. And if it's not what we've experienced, if it's not what way we've been shaped, that the journey we've been on as church over the past few years is saying, if, if it's not, then we want to move towards what it, is, what it is. All the good things that we have, let's keep them and build them and grow on them. All the ways in which we're distant from what Jesus is telling, the life he offers, and the heart that's behind it, that uh, we want to step into it. So, um, let me read out this, this scripture. But again, as I say, as we read it, like, I want you to imagine it's written to you. Yeah? Like this is speaking to you. Not just words that we d- d- tune off, like you know when there's familiarity and you just skim over stuff or whatever. But written to you as a member of his church. They are the things it says about you and what it should look like when we gather. I'll kick off from uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and then Mary has a scripture after that. So, Corinthians uh, 12 says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. But the same spirit is the source of them all. There's different kinds of service. But we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. 
so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts, and he alone decides which gift each person should have. Go ahead, Mary. You have a one body with many parts. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts with only one body. The eye can never say, say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Thanks, Mary. Uh, Neville has the next question. Prophecy and tongues. Pursue love and earnestly desire the scriptural gifts, especially that you may prophecy. Order be worship. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has again a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only one, only two at the most three, and each in turn, and let some interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what they said. If revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophecy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are still there. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Thanks, man. And Terry. Listen to 112. Christ is sample of humility. So if there is any encouragement from Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection from sympathy, create my joy of being of the same mind, having the same love, being full forward and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, 
so that as the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Thanks, Terry. And the uh, last one is Ruth. Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one, one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But which one of us graces being given as Christ upon a portion of This is what he says. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended in the very one is the very one that was ascended higher than all uh, the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we will uh, all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to all measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheme. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and together by every support and ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. Okay, so that's, I know there's a lot of scripture there. I'm not going to unpack every piece of it, right? Because that would take weeks. But um, what I wanted to do was to put to put that out there. And as we listen to it, you'll just hear again, like repeating themes. I'm talking about like this idea of us being a body, of everybody being needed, every part playing like an essential role. One can't say they don't need the other. It speaks in language of, of unity, of pursuing unity, of chasing after it. Um, I'm getting into some of the detail of, of how Jesus has formed his church. Do you get what I'm saying here? That this scripture, as it, as it lays it out, is saying, this is what we should expect when we come together. That Jesus would call us to unity, to maturity, to look to the, to the interests of one another. Consider others' interests before you. When you come together, someone will have a song, someone will have a hymn, someone will prophesy that. There's going to be this space, this way of gathering. Um, and the end result of it, like Reuben read there in, in Ephesians 4, says that the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, that we will be built into the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And that's huge. Even again, like I say, I was watching that, that program yesterday, and I thought, man, I would just love to come across Jesus. You know, I would just love, like, I, like, just imagine, like, whatever it is, the situation you're in, like, whatever it is you're going through, you know, the struggles of your heart, the, the struggles of your life to, Whatever you need, imagine if you like walked into this space today and Jesus was here. And like him just been able to look like heal you, like set you free, speak the truth, like love you, embrace you, like the, the goodness of God extended out towards you. Just a, like imagine that that was the 
case, right? Now here's what, what scripture says. Now somehow in the church functions as the body, when we each use our gifts, when we come and don't just look to our own interests but to the interests of others, that we express the fullness of Christ. What, 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 what stood out to me is that coming into this space this morning, we should be able to access some of the fullness of Christ. Those same things that I talked about, that there's somebody who has the, the faith to speak healing, there's somebody who has the wisdom to counsel, there's somebody who's just great at showing the love of God and embracing and walking and, 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 and helping to heal hearts. There's, there's somebody who can prophesy and speak by what, what it is that God is saying in the moment into lives. That's not all one person or just the person who gets the, the, the microphone, but that, that's, that's a body. In fact, that can't be, that can't be one person. And the result in Ephesians where it says that we no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Do you get us just talking about a life where you ever just feel like you're around by life? You ever just feel like you're just caught up in stuff that's moving you this way? Try and swim against the tide, it's just a struggle, you get wrecked, and then you like resign yourself, oh, life's just going to be like this, and life's just going to be the struggle, or you know, like, or you know, there's too much information thrown at you, and you're, I don't know what to believe, I don't know what to think. And, Here's the scripture, we won't be infants, we won't be tossed back and forth by the waves, or blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheme. And he's saying that we could be steadfast, strong, people who are able to resist temptation, people who are able to identify false teaching, people who are able to continue moving, not just blown about by the... Do you ever go to the beach with a kid and they get smacked by a little wave and they're just like knocked off their, their feet? But somebody who's more steadfast can, can withstand that and say, this is the kind of people that I want you to be, that's the result of it. But in the same scripture, it's like, here's how, it, here's how it works. God has given gifts to individuals and united us together so that speaking the truth in love to one another, we would begin to express the fullness. You know, what it is that you have is something that I need and the person beside you needs, the person behind you needs. And we need to be shaped in that way. The people united in love for one another, serving one another, speaking the truth to one another, loving like Jesus, looking like Jesus. So imagine what that would uh, what that would look like. Imagine if what we just read there now was an accurate description of of this gathering, of the gathering next Sunday, of when the church are together. I don't want to hold out that it can that it can be and it should, but there's like I think there's some there's some shift in our thinking that needs to happen. I think that we've had like thousands of years or hundreds of years, whatever, I don't know, of, of tradition, of expectations that have been placed on church, of just ways that we've seen it done, things that we've just experienced and then we just replicate what it is that we've experienced. Do you ever make, um, like, a, I used to work in uh, this Maxall shop when I was growing up, like, and they had a photocopier. I think it was the only photocopier in Leakslip at the time when I was a kid. But uh, people would come in and photocopy. And do you ever see if like, somebody come in with a document that was already a copy of a copy and they put it on the photocopier and the next one that came out was like fainter again. You know, like every time like some of the quality was lost. I think in some ways it might be like that with our, with our gatherings. That, you know, when they're copies of copies of copies that, uh, that they, they lose some of the definition or you can't read them like they're, they're not, they've departed from what they were, you know what I mean? But we can get back, like I say, to, to scripture, back to what's in the heart of Jesus, what he's asked, what he's commanded. Um, and what we see the New Testament church going after them, we can see the same results. I'm convinced of it. And so, to, to spell it out, to make it, it, it clear, like, I believe that we should move towards a space where we come on a Sunday morning and we don't just come to receive blessing, 
but that we come with the expectation that we're there to, to bless others. And that part of the blessing we receive is actually being used by God in blessing other people. I think that's the way that, that scripture holds out a gathering should look, that everyone has different gifts. Imagine if you got up here this morning, as if you did, and when you did, you did so with the expectation that God has placed something in you today that your brothers and sisters need. That you came into this space with that intention, with something to give. That would be a biblical expectation to have on your life. That you, when you put your faith in Jesus, became a part of his body with a function. Like, if you believe that, like, and you came thinking, I need to function as a part of the body when I'm here this morning in this space, that would be a biblical conviction to have. If you came here thinking that you were jointly responsible for the growth of everybody else in this room, and they were jointly responsible for your growth, that would be a biblical description of the church. That's not the way the world works, right? It's like individual responsibility. You come here, you take out of this lesson, whatever it is that you want to take out, and then you apply it to your life somewhere, somewhere else. But, but uh, the Bible calls us to be a community who love one another enough to come to this space. I can't wait to bless Reuben. I can't wait to be blessed by Reuben. I want to receive a Terry's gift, Neville's gift, and David's gift this morning. That Louise has something that I need in my life as she comes into this space. And that we come with that expectation to, to give. If you came with that expectation that to minister this morning, that would be like a biblical expectation to have. That this isn't a gathering with one minister and a congregation. This is a gathering of a congregation of ministers. That's what, that's what scripture says about you. It might be what our experience says. It might even be what we're doing this morning. Believe me, the irony isn't lost on me of me standing up and speaking this at you for half an hour, right? Like, and that taking all of that, that space up with just, uh, with, with, with my gifts. But there's a reason for you to be here today. There's a reason that you have a chance to be like Jesus. You have a chance to represent some of who Jesus is to your brothers and sisters. In Corinthians, you read that it says a spiritual gift is given to each one so that we can help each other. But it's the one spirit who distributes all of these gifts. And he decides which one has. So it's like, here's what it should look like, God. I'm convinced that we come and somebody has a gift to just like bring encouragement you know, the person is in the room who can just see where somebody is down and they just know how to speak in God, the realities of God, into their life. That that's, a, that's a gift that somebody will have in this space. That someone has the gift of the faith to pray when someone is sick and they have the faith to pray for miracles because God has gifted them with that faith. Someone has the gift of hearing from the Lord and able to relay that to people. Someone encourages with a song. And like this week when I was down, this is the song that lifted my heart. This is the psalm that I was praying and it lifted my spirits and I want to share it with you because I'm wagering that if I was going through that, chances are you might have been going through that and it can help to, to build you up. Someone comes with a story of God's faithfulness and breakthrough. Someone comes with wisdom from God. And even then, if you read in Scripture, some of those things that we see as just natural that you might have in any kind of community group or centre or community, um, it then talks about things like speaking in tongues. That we're coming. The Holy Spirit may have given some of us the gift to be able to pray and prophesy in languages we don't even understand and give other people the gift to be able to understand that and tell the church what it is that the Lord is saying. What, a, what an illustration of needing one another. Somebody prays something they don't know what they're saying. Another person understands what they're saying and is able to communicate it to the body. Why would God do that, make those two gifts separate things? To say you need, you need each other. Yeah, that one without the other doesn't work. The hand without the arm, there's not a hand floating around doing something that the body without the leg can't function or without one of its organs. 
It's like we're meant to understand that. And we're meant to, like I think the scriptures like repeats it again and again, saying, Desire, desire these things. Desire. I heard um quite a Francis Chan, you know, there's been some moments in my life that have been like like shaped me. I would have held these convictions about this is how church would look like. I have no idea. There aren't a lot of examples around, to be honest. Like most examples that we're going after in the world are like gather a bigger crowd. You know, and the bigger a crowd you get, the lesser, the smaller proportion of people there are using their gifts, yeah? Maybe, boy, there's, there's 40 of us here and there might be five involved in a service. You multiply that to 200 and there might be 10 involved in a service. It's a smaller proportion, even, you know? Get a bigger crowd, then you end up with this alienation, then you end up with the space where, well, I couldn't get up and do what Noah Kenny does, I couldn't get up and preach like that, so now there's a distance between who can minister and who can't. Oh, I haven't got the Bible college, I don't have a master, I'm not as smart as that person, I'm not as eloquent as that person, I don't have the confidence to speak in front of people. Whatever it looks like, you just create these, this divide, and then we propagate this consumerist kind of mode of Christianity where we just come and receive. And Jesus in his grace uses that, right? People are saved and people are set free and messages speak to the hearts and it's incredible. But it's like joining, as used this illustration before, joining a football team and all you do is come along and watch the, watch the star players play. You know? You might enjoy it and it's great and you get like some enjoyment out, you get something out of that, something inspires you out of it. It's not a bad thing. But it's nothing compared to actually playing. Nothing compared to, like, to actually getting to do what God has made you to do. To use your gift that he's given you. The point is that he's given you something to give. And um, like I said, I went, I went away and I saw this, this church in San Francisco where this guy, this guy Francis Chan had a church of like 10,000 people. And, uh, and he left it and invited a couple of people into his home. And uh, I said, like, I've done the thing of gathering more people. And the more people I gather, it's just people who want to hear, hear him preach. You know, people don't know each other's names. None who they are. It's anonymous. And they come and go. And it looks good. And there's money and there's worship teams. There's albums being produced. There's books being sold. All the stuff that you would look at in influence. But he looks around and he sees, I don't, I don't know that people are actually becoming more like Jesus. I don't know that people are united in the way that, that, that scripture holds out. I don't know if they're taking a hold of this stuff or that we've even expected that and perhaps the way that we're doing things lends to that not being the case. Perhaps the way that we're doing things makes it less likely that people are going to become like followers of Jesus using their gifts than, than more likely. And so he started that thing, I went to see it when it was about a year old and it had, it had multiplied out to like I think there's about 15 churches where people would just meet in each other's homes on Sunday mornings. Guys, when I came back, I may have talked to you about it, right? But the language I used when anyone was like, how'd you get on to San Francisco? I just kept saying, it was beautiful. I was the word, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, like, it was so simple, but it was beautiful. And I copped on after a while, but that should be a description of the church. That, that uh, I the bride of Christ, you know? And I saw something beautiful. I went on a Sunday morning, and uh, a group of people gathered around in a house, welcoming one another. Some people brought friends sitting around on couches and chairs and any way to drag it in. Somebody plays a song from their phone and somebody else shares. Here's what God said as we were reading scripture this week to me through the same scripture they were reading. And they share that and they lead into another song. And somebody shares something from the word and the pastor who's there like kind of takes it and, and pulls it together. It's like, you know, as a community, here's what God might be saying to us. Let's pray into that. And they prayed into it and then somebody just like, uh, he's like, Look on the back of that, let me read this psalm, and now let's break bread together. They broke bread together, and then they met together. 
And there was just like fellowship. And everybody in the space contributed in some way. Whether it was a song or a word or insight into scripture. And during the week they'd be encouraging one another in how they, how, they, how they live it out. Like they're together around scripture. They're how you live it out in your workplace. They could wrestle through those issues right now. You know, work up stressing this thing right now. They could speak the truth of Jesus into the situation and encourage and equip. And it was just, it was just beautiful. In one of the other spaces, I was, um, we went off to different spaces. Some guys came back from another house and they said, there was like a 12-year-old kid led them in communion. And you just see the, like the beauty of that. Did they have their theology right? I don't know. Did it matter? No, because it was in a space where people loved them and wanted their gifts and wanted to, to encourage them, wanted to equip them. And, uh, and it was just, it was beautiful. And so I was compelled, compelled by that. Um, by somebody doing that and just their process that they went through again was like scripture we elevate, we elevate scripture over and like let's not settle for anything else and I know we're not trying to turn around a 10,000 person church right believe me right we're not, we're not there but the same process the same process is there of holding them do we want this are we willing to serve one another in humility count others more than yourselves we just heard in Philippians like what if we arrived each week like, like we had a gift to bring. I heard Francis Chalmers talk about that kind of community. One of his things was, imagine, you know we're all going to a party. I turned 40 in a couple of weeks. Imagine I invited you all, I'm not going to have a party because that's my worst nightmare, right? But uh, imagine I invited you all to a party and you all bring a gift, right? You're, you're excited when you show up with a gift, like to give to somebody, for them to experience what it is to talk to you in or like the creativity or whatever it is, or you made something. Like there's an excitement for someone to receive of your gift. And he spoke about a lot of church was like that. That we're coming along each week like excited to give of our gifts to one another. Excited to use it for the benefit of one another. Like the ground we've won in God this week that it doesn't just stay with us. But let me tell you what God God has done. Or the revelation we've had, the insight we've had, those of us who like can encourage, those of us who just have the capacity to lift people up when they're down, those of us who have the capacity to speak truth right in the moment and help us understand scripture. Also, will just pray and come alongside and love and, uh, and, and, and show compassion. Like that, we, we create the space where that's going to happen. If you came along to that space, right, and had a gift to give, and you came along to the party, and uh, you have a gift to give, and somebody at the door says, actually, we don't need your gift. You know, actually, like, we're just going to take the two or three best gifts and give them to the person who's whose birthday it is, like, how would that feel? You'd be rejected. Or if we came along, we're all like, let's, let's have a big party and everybody brings some food and you arrive at this dish that you've made, ready for people to taste it, and we're like, oh, actually, we're just going to get it catered instead. We're just going to provide. You might enjoy the catering, yeah, you might enjoy whatever, but you're not, you haven't played a part in it, you know? And I think the table that God invites us to is one where, where we all have a part to play. And here's, here's, here's what I want to say as well, is, is that, when you read through this, it talks about the Holy Spirit and he's been gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's the way that God gives gifts to his children. And um, I think that's a key thing just to dwell on for a second because we, we tend to look, it takes a good while to not do this, but we tend to look through human eyes so we tend to see people who are gifted. Yeah? You see people maybe who like, like in the Christian space, people who have musical gifts or people who have developed that, people who have gone to Bible college, people who are gifted in teaching, that sort of stuff. And we tend to probably analyse people the same way that the world does, measure them up by their, their giftedness, their accolades, their capacity to do something. 
But scripture levels the playing field completely in saying that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to people. That they're given as a gift. So it doesn't matter if you're Peter the fisherman or if you're Paul the Pharisee. You know? It doesn't matter whether you've had education or whether you've spent your whole life doing something else. That the Holy Spirit gives the gifts to people. And that's what enables it to be a space where everybody can come. There's a great leveling, you know? It's not just about who's had the money or who's had the opportunities to pursue stuff or whatever. Though there is responsibility to like, use your gifts and to, 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 to enhance them or to you know, develop them. But it's about believing that the Holy Spirit has given gifts to each of us and being willing to put that on the line. God has given you something to give. Like I say, I'm fully aware of the irony of standing in a space like this where you've no opportunity to talk back <laughs> and saying we need everyone to use their gifts. But where we're at and as a church right now is this season of, of proclaiming that because the rubber is going to hit the road and we're going to make some moves towards changing what our expectation is when we gather. And it's not just about what the one person has or it's not just about you know that person who's been trained or whatever. In fact, what we just read there, it's not difficult to do that. We read in Ephesians, what we read, was that God gave leaders to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, for what? To equip the saints for works of service so that the body builds itself up. My role as a leader, as somebody who's a teacher, somebody who's a pastor, is to help to equip you to believe that God has placed that call on your life so that you build, you build one another up. And, uh, and we want to just, over the next while, begin to, to walk the talk, you know, to not just talk about this stuff, but to, to walk it. Um, and so ga- gatherings, as we go into this year, we experiment with different things, different ways of doing it. They may look different, and that will probably make you feel a bit uncomfortable. But what I'd like to say to you is, like, resist the urge to do what I did in that Irish thing. And Rob Douglas left the meeting, do you know what I mean? Ruben Sargentini left the meeting because he was asked to do whatever it is, or we change the expectation because the call of God, remember the heart of Jesus in this, is to see you not in a stagnant place not in a going around the loose, not moving backwards but moving in the things of God and if what we have to do is your presence and an encouragement and a smile and the gift that God is giving you then that's, that's great, if what you have to give is a song or a, a hymn or a testimony or a story, then that's what God has to give you, but I believe that you know, Jesus says it's better to give than to, to receive, that we come alive when we step into the mission that God has for us. When, if in any way we're in the consumer mode and we, we instead like, step into, oh, here's, what, here's what Jesus, in his grace, see the heart behind it. Yeah, I don't care. God wants us to do more, 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 more. No, Jesus wants you to function in the gifts that he has given you. I want you to be part of a beautiful family, a beautiful body, his bride, where you're built up as you build others up and we connect together in love and the fullness of Jesus when we get together is explained. Like a puzzle. Like a what, sorry? Like a puzzle. Connected together. Connected, exactly. That the fullness then of Jesus would be expressed when we're when we gather. And so look, that's a that's a that's an expectation. That's something that we I want to say out in faith that we're we're moving towards that we come to serve one another. I want us to break bread um, together. And, um, and even as we do, yeah, we'll do that and then we'll be great. Um,
you know, breaking bread is full of symbolism, that's thinking about this. We talk about a body, yeah, about being one body. And we know the story. We know that the context of when Jesus set this, this uh, sacrament up. He said, he literally broke some bread and he's like, this is my body. Broken for you. And just think about it. Think about the symbolism. He breaks his body and he gives some of it to each of his followers. That what was one body is now broken up and it's distributed to people where the fullness is represented. Do we get another song? Do we? Song? I can play another song after. <laughs> yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. So, is, um, is that this will be, as we, as we partake in this, we realise that this is, this, is what, this is what unites us. It's an act of faith saying that I'm a part of, of this body. And we remember in his blood that was poured out for us and we share it, the same, the same cup. That the thing that unites us is, is Jesus and what he's done for us. It's the thing that's leveled the playing field. It's the thing that's assured us of our salvation. It's the thing that's entered us into this new way of interacting and engaging and being connected with God that we call the, the new covenant. I want to read this scripture because here's the source, right? And again, not trying to preach religion, but trying to preach grace, trying to preach what it looks like when we behold Jesus and how it would be reflected in our lives. And um, We read out of Philippians because Terry who read it. I want to read it again. He says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Right? If we stop there at the Scripture... You would just have, you know, like Paul saying, serve one another, be humble, whatever. And you, you, you count that as just religion, right? But then he roots it back in Jesus. So he says this, be humble, consider others more than yourself. Um, and then he goes on to the hell, and is what we're going to celebrate in communion. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count the quality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taken on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That we look to the ultimate servant who served us to the extent of giving his own life for us. That as we behold that, we see what humanity, what the new humanity ushers in is meant to look like. People who will lay down their lives for each other. People who don't do that out of religion or obligation, people who do that because they behold, see, and experience what it is that Jesus has done for them. Jesus, as we come to your table, as we remember your body broken, as we remember your blood poured out, as we remember that step by step by step, Lord, you humbled yourself on our behalf, as you see your great heart in doing that to serve us, Lord. I pray that we would in turn, as we partake in this, in your body and your blood, that we would become like you in the way that we serve one another, in the way that we love one another, sacrifice on one another's behalf, that we would take on, as we drink this, this cup, as we share in the bread, we would take on the attributes of Christ, that we would take on the life of Jesus, the heart, the desire to serve one another, and that we would also take on confidence in the gifts that, that you live in us by your spirit, and distribute gifts to us, Lord. 
as we remember you Jesus could we surrender to your will surrender to your ways and commit to you Lord that we want to be the church that you gave your life for we want to be the bride that is being beautified we want to be the, the, the ones who are in love with you and reflecting that love to one another we worship you Jesus